Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which helps you lead where God has placed you. I'm Andy Peck. I'm delighted to welcome Anne Danks to the Leadership File. Anne works with Christian Aid as Head of England Westside Region. We're planning to touch on a variety of themes including leadership cross-culturally, uh, the shifts in attitude towards women in leadership and how understanding temperament can lead us to lead better. So welcome Anne to the Leadership File. Hi Andy. So uh, your journey to Christian Aid first of all? Yes, so I've had a variety of roles in the past, ranging from 10 years as a secondary school teacher teaching modern languages um, through a career break to uh, raise our daughter when she was young, uh, then uh, part of a team uh, church leadership role for uh, a further 10 years. I seem to do everything in chunks of 10 years. <laughs> then I had several years working at the, the Trussell Trust, um, which is the... Uh, food bank charity that a lot of your listeners will be familiar with and then I moved from there to Christian Aid so I went basically from um, a sort of a UK based charity role to uh, being part of an international charity uh, looking at um, development and AIDS worldwide. Great and, and so um, I mean looking particularly at the transition from, from Trust or Trust mm. to, to Christian Aid, what, yeah. what, what, did you, what did you learn particularly from your time at the Trust or Trust? I mean the Trust or Trust is obviously is a, a fantastic charity and has changed enormously even in the time that I was there because um, of the rise of the need for food banks across the yeah. UK so that was a, um, a, a real accelerated time of growth when I was there and the organisation had to uh, move very quickly um, and include uh, campaigning in its brief um, and found itself in, in really key conversations at Westminster and the like, uh, raised raised the profile of food, food poverty in the UK as a reality pretty much single-handedly at one point. It's, it's now an accepted thing, but um, when, when I was first starting out, I was still convincing people that it was even a reality, that, that, that there were people in the UK that couldn't um, afford to eat so um, that was it was such an exciting role to be a part of and my personal role sort of grew from having responsibility for the West Midlands area through to the north of England through to the whole of England um, which was very exciting and gave me a sort of a, a real key oversight I think um, I when I moved to Christian Aid when I did which was just under a year ago I wasn't really looking for a move because I was I was really excited about the role that I had but I was invited via a, a sort of third party organisation to have a look at the role and the thing that really um, pulled me um, into at least considering the role was the the breadth of experience Christian Aid have in fundraising and I felt for me personally that would be a good career development would be to to really learn this, all the all the skills and the language and the and the thinking around fundraising, um, and also I was very interested in moving from a UK focus to an international focus with the much more complex issues involved. It felt like a, a really helpful personal development step for me and a, and a real challenge to um, to take on at a 
uh, an interesting stage of life. Well, good. I mean, good for you for for keeping challenging yourself. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's impressive, and uh, you know, obviously, the, the fundraising element is you know, ethic, ethical ethical fundraising is is particularly mm. a, a challenge, particularly for many charities who sometimes use. Um, Use methods which get get the goal, get the right goal in terms of funds, but always don't always um, uh, tick all the right, right boxes along the way, which is a, a big challenge. So your role at, at Christian Aid, Anne, what, what, what's um, you, you have the West Side so region. I'm, that's right. The, the invented uh, West Side region. Yes, it's a fictional region. Yeah. Um, it's just a, a shorthand way of describing the Northwest and the West Midlands. Okay. Yeah. So the the area I look after stretches from Worcestershire right up to the Scottish border. Oh well. Wow. But interestingly, the, the the sort of head of England role is split across five individuals, and we sh- we share that between us. But we also have um, a multiplicity of roles, um, which are cross organisational. So, I um, we do a lot of project working, and I'm project sponsor for Christian Aid Week 2018, for uh, the Greenbelt Festival relationship that we have. Um, um, I'm joint sponsor for campaigns. So the the role that I've taken off very excitingly is is a real mix um, of local regional work with with um, with churches and with um, our campaigning groups and so on. But actually, um, also projects that that are right across the organisation. Right, right. So the kind of c- c- campaigns you know uh, regarding the environment or regarding. Uh, mm. uh, large companies paying tax appropriately. Those are the kind of things you're involved in. Those kind of things, yes, and climate change. Right. And our our very important one this year is um, dis- displacement. So people, um, refugees who are displaced internally, so they don't cross a country border and therefore have the protection of international legislation. They're displaced, they're refugees within their own country and there is no legislation currently to protect them. That's our big campaign um, for this year. Right, right. So let's let's look 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 at our particularly our focus this um, this show and is 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 on a number of uh, of topics pertaining to leadership, particularly this this cross culture one. You had the opportunity to complete a master's in justice, advocacy, and reconciliation with a module mm. on global leadership. I'm just wondering the kind of things you discovered uh, within that. Oh yes, it, it was fascinating, and um, I think the first thing, the first task we had to do was to kind of think about our own understanding of leadership and and possibly the the um, the key moments and the and the key influences that we'd had through our lives that that had brought us to the understanding that we had. So we did we did quite a lot of self reflection as part of it, which was really interesting. But then the the reading and some of the assignments we had to do um, got us to think about actually we are a product not just of our personal experience but also of our culture. Uh, and within that, you might be a product also of an organisational culture. So if you're, let's say, um, you've been working for the civil service all your life, that you will you will not only have your um, personal experience and milestones, you'll have the UK culture. Um, and then you'll also have the sort of culture of the civil service, and all of those add up to uh, making you the the, the person, the, the leader that you are today. And what we discovered through looking at um, the cultures in other countries um, was that some of the assumptions you make with a very UK-centric focus that leaders look like this 
just is not the case in other countries. So typically in the UK and um, thinking about, you know, very often in the church, not not, not universally now, thankfully, but um, certainly some of the church experience I've had over the years has been leadership looks male. Yes. Leadership is very charismatic. Right. Um, leadership is about making decisions and sort of helping people to 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 implement those decisions. Now that's obviously a caricature. No, sure, but it's it's broadly true. Yes. But it's a trend that mm. we have now in other countries, so some of the Scandinavian countries, for example, but also other countries elsewhere. Um, it's much leadership is much more collaborative. Right. It's instinctively much more collaborative, and that is the type of leadership that is admired. And where we have clashes is where you know you, you people from from very different cultural backgrounds come together, and and actually um, they would find this sort of um, Western um, um, self promotional type leadership. The sort of I'm going to be the sort of the man of the hour and make the decisions and lead people and stand strong and be bold. Um, they find it, frankly, embarrassing. Right, yes. Uh, because that's, in their mind, that's not how leadership works. Leadership is about the common good and um, collaborating with others and understanding uh, the views of others and having a really clear plan for how together we're going to get to where we need to get. Um, again, of necessity, because of time, that is a, a, a caricature, but I, um, I find it fascinating. And academics would call this... Um, uh, a masculine and a feminine way of leading. That's just a terminology that's helpful to understand it. So the, what academics would, would deem as the masculine way of leading is about hierarchy um, and self-promotion um, and the sort of the charismatic leader and the feminine way of leading is much more about collaboration. And I use these as, as I say, academic terms. Sure, I'm, sure. Not, yeah. I'm not making um, assumptions about men and women uh, globally speaking. That's fascinating. So, um, I mean, has that impacted your interactions particularly um, within within Christian Aid? Well, I think so, because what, what I think is really interesting is um, that actually generationally leadership is understood very differently. So if you look at the, the millennial generation, um, typically they don't um, revere authority in the way that perhaps my generation did. Yes. They don't look to sort of the older, sort of powerful generation and assume that they uh, they have all the wisdom um, to impart and they uh, they're making the best decisions. Actually, they look at my generation and they think, well, you made quite a mess of things, didn't you? You've done done a lot of harm to the planet. Yes. You've allowed institutions to hoard power, and they they would want to see power shared very differently i, I mean as as do i now because obviously i've had a shift in my mm. uh, thinking but just thinking about the generations i think the millennial generation coming through now just see the world very differently and they see and, the, and, there's, and there's a profound distrust and cynicism around institutions we look at the some of the um very difficult and very sad um exposures of institutions including hollywood um westminster that we've had uh, through the media recently and you can understand why generally you know we are much more cynical about institutions how they hoard power how they use power um and and are reluctant to to, to let them have that position 
Well, you're listening to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Anne Danks, who works with Christian Aid, and we'll be back just after this. And welcome back to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Anne Danks. Anne works with Christian Aid as the head of England West Side Region. She was talking before the break of uh, uh, of her um, joining uh, Christian Aid via the uh, the Trustful Trust and other uh, areas of her career as well. She's uh, um, has tended to spend about ten years at each kind of role. And um, we were talking particularly before the break of what she'd been learning about uh, the cultural elements of leadership and how actually the UK's um, assumptions about what a leader is uh, are not shared uh, worldwide. And indeed, uh, understanding that can be key to our interaction with others, and, and also we can learn from others' uh, approaches to, to leadership. A uh, kind of changing tack just slightly, Anne, and and, and talking mm. in terms of. Uh, of w- women in leadership and um you know mm. I, I when i talk with with women in leadership um i'm awkward about addressing the issue because actually it should be yeah. a very normal thing but actually you know the patriarchal focus of some church life uh, tends to still pertain uh, maybe subtly maybe overtly i'm just wondering mm. um what your kind of uh, uh experience has been as a, as a woman who's uh, been appointed to leadership roles uh, and your kind of take on uh, the UK church and its kind of broader um, focus on this. Yes, yes, thank you. So it's, it, it is fascinating and I've gone probably on quite a um, uh, complicated journey myself uh, because when you're in the church culture, um, it's it's quite hard to look objectively at why you are behaving the way that you are. Um, all I can say is retrospectively, I'm, I'm just keenly aware that uh, you talked about sort of overt um, attitudes to women and covert attitudes to women or, or, or attitudes that we have that we're not even aware of. And these, these exist in both men and women. So um, looking back now, I can see that as a as a woman who is who is able to sort of uh, synthesize, you know, complex information, make decisions, um, be quite forceful about, you know, understanding what the right thing to do is. Uh, I'm not saying I'm always right about things. I'm sure you you will appreciate that. Sure, sure. But um, being in a position where that that would be uh, something I would consider a strength, it has not always been welcomed. Right. Yes. And in fact, has been seen as you know, something, um, you know, uh, unwelcome, something domineering, something um, uh, not not normal, not not something that's, that, that sort of would, would, would help the, the, the group culture. Um, and I, I read a, a really fascinating book recently by Cordelia Fine, The Delusions of Gender, which I think is one of the best books I've read about why our culture... Um, has developed certain attitudes towards girls and women and towards boys and men. And it was completely fascinating because it's, 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 it's right from before birth. There are things we're not even aware of doing, things we are aware of but don't think matter, but actually small things add up to women being treated very differently. So I have a real thing. It's a, it's a personal uh, piccadillo of mine that I, I really resent being called a lady. Right. Um, for example, now people don't. I don't always jump on it because people don't always mean anything by it. It's just a term. But in certain contexts, such as the work context, I will not let people 
refer to me as a lady or you know women in the room as ladies i think no actually we're colleagues and if you call us ladies there are connotations to that word which are about um protecting us that we're not quite as robust as the men in the room are um that put us on, and, and when I've challenged it, men will sometimes say, but actually it's, it's, a, it's, it's promoting you, it's putting you on a bit of a pedestal. And I say, well, I don't want to be on that pedestal. I want to be an equal colleague with you, a partner in what we're doing. Um, and I think, so sometimes the language we use has connotations that we're not aware of. And lots of people think I'm, I'm a bit over the top when I say this. So I'll never go, for instance, to a ladies' meeting. So lots of churches will hold something they call ladies' meetings. And I just on principle, I won't go. I will go to a women's meeting. I will go to a leaders' meeting because I love being with other women and I love being with other leaders. But I won't go to something called a ladies' meeting. And because of the connotations of that word, I feel just somebody has to uh, make it clear that that's not an acceptable way to refer to, to women that you're, you're partnering with either in the church or in a, in a work context. Sure, sure. Well, I, you're absolutely right that the, the language that we use um, does does have because of the connotations, the assumptions made, uh, does create a, a culture, creates a, um, an atmosphere sometimes is, that that really you know is not something we want to support. So good, good on you for <laughs> for taking a stand mm-hmm. for, for taking a stand where you need to. Um, do you, I mean, do you think that uh, it's it's easier to to be a woman in leadership within a, a charity setting than maybe in a local church? I, I think at certain levels, definitely, because you know, there are HR, there are, there are employment, there's employment legislation that ensures that technically men and women in employment are, are treated equally. I think beyond that, there are cultural norms in some um, Christian charities where um the tendency will be to prefer men in, in leadership positions. I would say of, of Christian aid, that is, that is not my experience, which is fantastic for me, me, me to be able to tell you that actually men and women um, are treated very equally. And, and part of that is because we've spent a lot of time researching and doing work on gender justice globally. Right. So we are very sensitive to the language that we use and the way that we view people, um, male and female, and, and and have multiple projects across the world where we're promoting, um, particularly you know women that have uh, need help with um, producing livelihoods um, to support the, the family and the community, um, and where women's rights need to be um, improved. So we're very intentional as a charity and that's a fantastic experience and I do think it has really impacted the culture so one of the things I noted um, very early on that I was really encouraged in the meetings that any meetings that I'm part of to speak my mind and to help move help make decisions and move situations along and that has been a very empowering experience that's that's great, great to hear, great to hear, Anne. Um, so, looking at our, our final topic that that we were going to chat about, and and this is one fascinating to me, and that is how understanding temperament preferences have mm. have given a window um, into to your own leadership and to to how others function. And you found particularly the Myers Briggs um, mm. temperament preference indicator, to use the correct language, um, is yeah. is has been used. Um, 
maybe you'd like to give us uh, a little thought on on that. Yeah, I anyone who knows me know I know know that I talk about this all the time whenever <laughs> I get the chance, and I love to work people out. I love to work out what their right. um their their um, personality profile is. So right. I I it is a topic I talk about a lot, and I've read around it a lot. Um, I find it completely fascinating. I, it 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 can be misused. So I I have found myself in situations where people people will say things like, "Oh, well, so and so is an intro- an introvert, therefore they will not do such and such." And I and I will jump on that and say, "Actually, no, no, you're making a uh, you're, you're making a leap too far there. You can say that somebody you know is introverted, and they behave in such and such a way, but you 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 can't put people into boxes." And so I'm I'm aware that I'm you know I've got a, a particular set of letters that would describe my personality, but then I meet somebody else with those those same four letters, and I'm completely different to yes. them with yes. completely different expression of that uh, personality type. So it's very important not to put, put people into boxes. Having said that, when you do have the opportunity to understand better your own personality type and how you interact with others of a different personality type, it's very empowering because yes. you can start to modify, um, you know, dial down certain tendencies. Um, so I'm technically an ENTJ, which is an extrovert with a thinking preference, um, intuitive, and I like routine and order. Yes. So, And I'm quite comfortable with all of those. It's, it's a relatively rare personality type for a woman to have and, and which probably explains a lot about me. Um, but it helps me to know that I can be just a bit too much for certain people. And actually, I need to find a way of dialing down my very kind of strongly enthusiastic, strongly sort of sure that I'm right about something, uh, just to dial that down a bit and make sure that I'm listening properly to other people, uh, bringing them on board, helping them to understand why I think the way I think. So they have a chance to critique that, perhaps push back on some of my assumptions. Uh, so I've, I've found that incredibly empowering, but also really helpful in interactions with other people. Yeah. No, that's really useful. I um, <clears throat> first became aware of Myers-Briggs when a housemate um, had a, a former girlfriend who um, was a temperament preference indicator um, practitioner, and and he she said to him, "Look, you're gonna you're an extrovert. You're gonna blow people away unless you understand <laughs> a bit more mm. about your temperament." Uh, you know, he was yeah. ENFP as it happens. And okay. uh, so, I appreciate listeners who are unfamiliar with Myers Briggs terminology may be thinking, "Hang on, what, what you're talking about?" But basically, yeah. it's the extrovert or introvert, which is where you get your energy from. Uh, N and S is your intuition or sensing whether you uh, intuitively receive your information or whether you um, use use the senses uh, the T and uh, F is thinking and feeling whether you uh, make decisions based upon logic or upon values and then the the P and uh, J is how you like to live your life whether you're more structured J or more spontaneous P would that be a, a good summary yes I think so and <laughs> and what I think is really interesting is is where the clashes Yes. Um, arise with people because sometimes it's just one letter difference. So yeah, yeah. I know with with my husband and, and we've had lots of conversations about this. Um, we differ through our um, uh, N and S. Right. So right. he he likes data. He likes to get get lots of information before he makes a decision. Which yeah. you know 
can't knock that. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, I, as an intuitive, as an N, I, my instinct is to sort of pick up lots of data sort of vaguely as I have conversations about something and then I develop a bit of an instinct. Yes. Now, we very often end up with the same decision right, right. Yes. Um, at the end of it, but th- just through a different process. Yeah, but yeah. he will always push back to me and say, why do you think that? Yeah, yeah. And I have to, I usually say... Okay, let me work out why I think that. <laughs> and I have yep. to sort of go backwards and, and, and put the detail in. Uh, and that's a really good pushback. Yeah, because yeah. actually you can't just go around making decisions mm. without justifying them to others. Um, even if they end up being, you know, the right decisions, uh, it is important to sort of look at the areas where you're you're less skilled and, and work work at them because that's about functioning as a team, um, you know, with other people and an understanding that, that data to substantiate decisions is, is actually really important. Well, fantastic. And sa- sadly, time has defeated us, but it would have been lovely to explore that uh, that mm. further. But I think it is good to, to raise this issue. And, and certainly you can find, I should, probably shouldn't say this, but there are opportunities online to discover your Myers-Briggs preference. But I would urge listeners to to, to get uh, you know to meet with a proper practitioner who mm. can take you through the the ins and outs of Definitely. this because uh, with as a lot of these things a little knowledge can be a dangerous thing so um, but it's <laughs> a tool a tool that uh, many Christians have found of, of enormous value so and it's been terrific to chat and thank you for you know the, the broad thank range you. in which we've been chatting but it's we've really appreciated your insights and thoughts on uh, on this range of topics so thank you so much Thank you. So you'll be listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by Anne Danks and is, uh, works for Christian Aid. Uh, she's the um, head of uh, England uh, West Side region. And uh, you can find out, obviously, more about Christian Aid by going to Christian Aid's website, which is um, christianaid.org. Yes, christian-aid.org. There we yes. are. Wonderful. So I uh, look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.